Welcome, and thank you for listening to the Bellevue Sermon Podcast. Today's message comes to you from the pulpit of Bellevue Baptist Church in Gadsden, Alabama, through our Sunday morning preaching ministry. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you and that the Lord would use it for His glory. Amen. Go ahead and be turning in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 14. Again, that is Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 14 this morning. And our topic will be that of sola fide. Uh, we've already discussed sola scriptura, that the Bible is the final authority of the church, and it's perfect. Tells us everything we need in order to be saved and to glorify God in our lives. And then last week we discussed sola gratia. We saw that from beginning to end, our salvation is solely by the grace of God. Today we are considering this sola fide, that we again are saved by grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone. The emphasis of sola fide is that we are justified or made right with God by faith alone. You may be here this morning and say, well, of course we need faith, right? We're Christians. We're called to walk by faith. We're called to live lives of faith. But we need to make no mistake this morning that this doctrine is of infinite importance. Again, Martin Luther called this the doctrine upon which the church rises or falls. It is the linchpin upon which the church's faithfulness hinges. This is because the answer of sola fide, or faith alone, speaks to the most important question we are asked. What must I do to be saved? It's an important question with eternal consequences to how we answer that question. What must I do to be saved? The answer to this question will separate, again, the faithful from the unfaithful. It separates the true church from the false church. It separates, again, the saved from the lost. If we get that answer wrong, just about everything else falls apart. And so this doctrine is of infinite importance to us. It's important to get it right so that we represent God correctly. It's important so that we evangelize correctly. It's important so that we do ministry of discipleship and sanctification correctly. Without faith alone, everything else fails. This was at the heart of the Protestant Reformation, and it was at the heart of Martin Luther's 95 Theses. You see, the Catholic Church failed to get this right. They argued for and still do advocate for salvation through faith plus works. Faith plus something else. Things, actions, works, behaviors. The Catholics were not the only ones. We're going to discuss this more in a little while, but this was something that Paul dealt with here in the church at Galatia. They had abandoned the idea of salvation by grace through faith. They had had forsaken what they were called to do, what they had believed from the beginning. And Paul comes at them very strongly here in Galatians chapter 3. He corrects them in the strongest possible terms with very vivid language. So let's look at Paul's correction of the church in Galatia on this issue together. If you're physically able, please stand in honor and reverence for God's holy word. Again, Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 14. I'm reading from the ESV. You follow along in your translation. This is the word of the Lord. It says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? 
It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it's evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Father, we come before you this morning, and Lord, we thank you so much for your grace and mercy, for the time of worship we've had together this morning, for the opportunity to glorify your great name together here. But Father, we pray as we look in your word today that, Lord, you would uh, equip us, you would challenge us, you would convict us, you would encourage us. Lord, you would do exactly what you intend. The Lord, as your word says, it will not return void, but will accomplish your purpose. So, Father, we pray that that would be so here today, that your will would be done. But, Father, we do ask that you would build up our church. Lord, you would unite us around the truth of the gospel. Lord, you would unite us around our love for your word. Lord, you would unite us around our desire to proclaim your word to the nations. Father, as we have already said this morning, we pray that you would equip us for this task. Move in our midst today, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Well, as we continue thinking about the five solas and today about faith alone, it's important that we remember that all of these things work together. When we talk about the five solas, uh, really we need to realize that they are all interconnected. The formula of salvation is that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. If we lose any one of those, it all falls apart. We remember last week that faith is a gift of God's grace. He takes the dead in sin and breathes new life into them and gives them this faith. This is how we are saved. But how do we receive salvation? That's the question we want to think about this morning. How do we receive salvation? salvation? Well, the answer is through faith. We realize that even faith is a gift of God, right? As we discussed last week, making all of salvation by grace alone. But the way we receive salvation is by placing faith in Christ. Faith is the means that God has used here. But we need to be sure what we're saying. 
We need to be careful of our vocabulary this morning because there are so many people within under the heading of Christianity who use this word faith, and in reality, they're talking about something so dramatically different than what Scripture is talking about. Over the years, many have perverted the language of faith or they have watered it down to such a point that it has almost no meaning to them. Right? So there's many examples of this, right? First of all, faith is not just agreeing that there is a God and that Jesus was a real person. It's not even believing that, again, all the things happened the way that it said it would happen. Again, James 2 tells us that even demons believe and shudder. So faith is not just a, a, a mental assertion saying, yeah, I, I believe that that happened. It's not just an agreement that God exists and did some cool stuff. Faith is also not the easy believism of the world. You see, so many over the years have reduced and watered down saving faith to this one-time moment of decision where in a fit of emotion or feeling, someone walks down an aisle and says, I want to be saved, and then they say a prayer, and yet after that their life shows zero fruit, nothing changed. What was it? Obviously, it was not saving faith. And so we need to realize that this, this action where people go back the way they were, they continue to persist in sin, that's not saving faith. Every time I talk about this, someone says, well, what about perseverance of the saints? Perseverance of the saints doesn't mean that someone can walk an aisle and say a few magic words and then go about their life as if nothing happened. Perseverance of the saints means that if someone is saved, they will endure to the end. They will not totally and finally fall away, but God will keep them and sanctify them. He will hold them fast. And so faith, we realize that it's not a mental agreement. It's not easy believism. But then there's also these generalities that we use to describe faith. Things like, again, uh, letting go and letting God, right? Faith is not a blind action where we say, oh, well, everything will work out if I just sit here and do nothing because God is sovereign, right? We realize that God is sovereign and he is working things out. But it, faith is not just us doing, again, nothing. I can just sit here and wait. Well, faith is active, Faith is also not a magic wand to getting whatever you want. Regardless of what heretical word of faith false teachers like Kenneth Copeland and Joel Osteen and Stephen Furtick at Elevation tell you, faith doesn't mean you'll be healthy and wealthy and have whatever you want. You can't believe your way to a private jet. You can't believe your way to perfect health. That's not what faith is. And because we believe in a sovereign God, we have to realize that he cannot be manipulated. Faith is not something we use to manipulate God. It's more than all of these falsehoods. Faith is an active trust in Christ as Lord. It's an active trust in Christ as Lord. We need to think about that. When, when we're talking about faith in Christ as Lord, what we're talking about is all of our life resting entirely on Him. All of our hope resting entirely on Him. We're submitting our life to His Lordship. We're fully recognizing and confessing that our only hope for salvation, our only hope for anything good is in the work of Jesus on the cross. We're saying the only way we are saved is by Christ bearing the punishment of our sins on the cross and giving us His righteousness. Paul in our text today is reminding the church in Galatia of that. They have fallen to some bad theology. 
And Paul reminds them, he says, we are justified by faith alone. So let's examine this text together. And I want us to see three things that will better help us understand the doctrine of faith alone and give some evidence to it. The way that Paul walks through this is very helpful here. First of all, I want us to see the bewitching heresy in verses 1 through 7. The bewitching heresy. I love the way that Paul addresses the church here uh, because he comes out swinging. Uh, In my doctoral studies, when we're evaluating each other's work, professors will often tell us, don't give a compliment sandwich, right? They say, don't start off telling them how wonderful they are and then smack them and then end by telling them how wonderful they are. He said, just be honest. That's what Paul does here. He embodies this. There's very little formality. In fact, in the first chapter, Paul begins by saying, I am shocked at how you are behaving. So quickly, you have deserted right doctrine. And he begins in chapter 3 by saying, you fools. Who has bewitched you? Who put a spell on you? Now, if I get up here next week and I'm like, listen, you fools. (laughs) We realize that this is strong language and we need to understand this. Paul is speaking to the church as someone who loves her and he's telling very clearly, you are being foolish. You have had someone put a spell on you. Someone has pulled the wool over your eyes. What are you doing? Why is Paul asking this? Well, the context here is that he has just spent the last part of chapter 2 telling them, we are justified by faith. You are made right with God through faith. The whole point of the book of Galatians is that they had abandoned the gospel because they abandoned the idea of justification by faith. Who bewitched you that you would abandon the doctrine of justification by faith? Paul says it was publicly proclaimed to you. Publicly portrayed. In other words, what's happening here is the the Greek word is almost like it was on a billboard, right? The gospel was preached so clearly, Paul says, it was as if a billboard was put up for all to see, and yet they can't see it. (laughs) They abandoned it. And what's so shocking and so bewitching is what they abandoned it for. A doctrine of works. Instead of being saved by faith, the people were putting their hope in fulfilling the Jewish law. You see, some people called Judaizers came into the church and they told them, faith is not enough. Faith in Christ is not enough. You also have to keep the Jewish law and you need to keep the festivals and you need to be circumcised and you need to do all of these things. That's how you're saved. And that is a damnable, bewitching heresy. In God's providence, he's given us the book of Galatians to remind us that it is a bewitching heresy and that it's foolish to fall into it. Because let me tell you, in every generation of the church, this kind of stuff has been a problem. Anytime someone says we need to add something to the doctrine of salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, we have this same bewitching heresy. Did you just have to do something else? 
that in some way, shape, and fashion, it is up to you. I told you in the introduction that this was something Martin Luther dealt with. It was a massive problem in the Reformation. This was indeed the main argument of the Reformation. You see, Roman Catholics believed in a salvation brought about by actions. A salvation of faith by works. Believed and still do believe that you're saved not by placing faith in Christ as Lord, but by doing rituals and works. You see, they believe that baptism regenerates a baby, baptized in their church, so that there is no longer any original sin in that little Catholic baby. Now, I've known some Catholic babies, so I I can say that's not true. In Martin Luther's day, it was not just that problem, but it was also the issue of indulgences. Where again, if you contributed to the church building fund, you got to send a dead relative into heaven. And their justification for this is that they believe the Pope holds the keys to heaven and he makes decisions about who is saved and who is not. Believe if you do works, that creates justification. And so what they have is a justification by earning and doing rather than grace and faith. And it's still a problem today. Just a few years ago, the Pope told everyone that followed him uh, on Twitter that they could get time off of purgatory just by following him on Twitter and liking his tweets. It's a real story. And that's another proof, right? Purgatory is not a real place. There's no mention of it in Scripture. Catholics believe that people have to go to purgatory to earn their way into heaven. Now, why am I spending so much time talking about this? Because this is what Martin Luther was dealing with, and it's the same kind of stuff that Paul is dealing with here in Galatians. None of this is compatible with the gospel. And yet today, we still have millions upon millions of Catholics who believe this same bewitching heresy. And if you do, then you're lost. That's not fun for us to think about, but because of this, what we have to realize is they have not believed in the true gospel of salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. You see, whether it's the Judaizers of Galatians or the Catholics or the Word of Faith movement or whatever you want to put in there, they all believe that works produce salvation. Whereas what the Bible tells us is that salvation by faith produces works. Not to save us, but that we work and serve the Lord because he has saved us by faith. In Galatians 2 verse 16 makes this clear. We know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. Paul says there is no justification by works. And Paul continues to question the people here in our passage. He asks them pointedly a series of rhetorical questions. Did the Spirit come by works or by hearing with faith? If you began in the Spirit, do you believe the flesh will sanctify you to completion? Is the gospel preached in vain among you? Does God give you the Spirit through works or through faith? Paul's saying, do you really want to go back to this? And in answer to all of this question, Paul brings up Abraham. Because Abraham is the favorite father of the Jews. He says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Abraham didn't earn God's favor. God called Abraham out of idolatry in Ur and Abraham followed God. 
was not his works, but the faith given him by God that justified him. It's not that Abraham worked and it was all counted to him as righteousness. No, Abraham believed in God. He had faith given him by the grace of God and it was counted as righteousness. So Paul's making the case. He's saying that we are justified. We're made right by God. He says if that's anything other than faith in Christ, it is a bewitching heresy. And for the Judaizers in Galatia who are saying we must return to Judaism to be saved, Paul delivers a death blow in verse 7. Verse 7, he says, Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. What is Paul saying? The sons of Abraham, the, the children of promise, the chosen people of God are those who are of faith. It's not ethnic Israel. It's not the tribes of Israel. It is those of faith, not the law. Paul says it doesn't matter if Abraham is your relative or not. What matters is if you have faith. It's not about lineage, but faith. And this was a problem for the Jews of Jesus' day as well. Back in John 8, Jesus had a whole interaction with the Jews on this matter. Jesus is preaching to the Jews that they must follow him as Lord and they will be free from sin. But the Jewish people's hope is that they are descendants of Abraham. Jesus tells them if you were really Abraham's children, you'd be following his example and have faith. <laughs> but instead, you're doing the works of your father, the devil. Because your hope is in your lineage and the law. Jesus goes on to say, whoever is of God hears the word of God. And this is when Jesus tells them, before Abraham was, I am. It's not about your lineage. And that's a very pertinent example for us today. There are many people who put hope in justification by pedigree. Oh, my grandmama and my mama were saved. And so, by virtue of them, I'm going to scoot on into heaven. My daddy was a strong believer. My granddaddy was a preacher. It doesn't matter. The true Israel of Romans 9, the true children of Abraham here in Galatians 3, the true chosen people of God, those who are saved are those who have faith in Christ as Lord, not anything else. And so what we see is that anything added to faith alone is a bewitching heresy. Well, what's the application? Well, if the church in Galatia dealt with this, and it's been a problem in every generation of the church since, and it's a problem today, we need to be on guard. Jude dealt with this too. He said certain people have crept in unaware. And we need to be careful that we are on guard not to let false doctrine into any part of our life in the church. The application here is don't be bewitched. Keep your eyes clearly focused on the true gospel. We are not saved by anything we do, but by God's grace, he takes us and opens our eyes and gives us faith that we should believe in Christ alone for salvation and we are made right with God, not by works, but by grace through faith. But Paul takes it a step further. Secondly, this morning, I want you to see the blessing of the gospel has always been received by faith. The blessing of the gospel has always been received by faith. Another way you can look at this is that justification by faith is always plan A. And God has no plan B. 
Verses 8 through 12, Paul tells us that not only are we justified by faith now, right, talking to the Galatians after Christ had come, but he says that that was the gospel in the Old Testament as well. They're not saved by anything other than faith either. The same Old Testament people, they were saved by the works of the law. They I mean they were not saved by the works of the law, sorry. They were saved by faith. Paul's made this clear in Galatians 2:21 where he says, "I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose." And he reiterates it again in chapter 3, verse 21, where he says, Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? Certainly not. For if a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. What's Paul saying? He says if righteousness had come through the law, if we could earn it, if we could work for it, if we could do some ritual to be made righteous, then there's no reason for Christ to die and that system would still be in place. Paul says, not only did the Jewish law not save them then, it never will. Again, Galatians 2.16, we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, because by the law, no one will be justified. Paul's saying, hey, no one was ever saved by works, and no one will ever be saved by works. Works did not, cannot, and will not ever save anyone. But what is Paul's alternative? It's Galatians 3.9. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Paul tells us the scripture, being from God. And I love this in verse 8. The scripture, being from God was preached, or knowing that God will justify us by faith, the gospel was preached beforehand to Abraham, saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. Paul says the gospel was preached to Abraham. The blessing of that was not the promised land. The blessing wasn't the nation of Israel. It wasn't the glory and splendor of the temples. The blessing was that Christ would be his descendant and that he would die for our sins on the cross, bearing the wrath we deserved, and then we would be saved by faith in him. In other words, Abraham was saved by faith in the coming Christ because he believed God. It was counted as righteousness. We're saved by faith in Christ who came and finished his work on the cross. Paul is not just saying this all off the cuff, though. He says it elsewhere. Romans 4, for example. Romans 4, 1 through 5 says, What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. What's the point? If you did anything to earn it, it wouldn't be grace. It'd be your earned reward. But he says Abraham wasn't justified by faith. If he was, he'd have something to boast about. He's justified because he believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. But the thing is, it's not just Abraham. 
Hebrews 11, affectionately known as the Hall of Faith, gives us tons of Old Testament heroes who fall into the same category. The introduction to that in Hebrews 11, 1 through 3, says faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, for by it the people of old receive their commendation. The people of old receive their commendation by what? Faith. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Who were these Old Testament heroes who were saved by and exhibited faith? Well, Hebrews 11 lists them. Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, the judges, and the prophets. So that all of them received their commendation by faith. What's the point I'm making here? The point is that there is one gospel and there's only ever been one gospel. That is the gospel of faith in Jesus Christ. And if that's lost, again, as we've talked about in these cases earlier with false churches and Judaizers, then there is no gospel. It's either by grace through faith or you have a false gospel. And Paul makes this clear in verses 10 through 12. Paul says, listen, if you rely on works, you are cursed. The letter of the law is clear. Unless you are perfectly obedient to the law of God, you are cursed. So verses 10 through 12 say, it's written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. And no one can be perfectly obedient. Only Christ. And so in verse 11, Paul says, it is evident, it's obvious, it's so clear that no one is justified before God by the law because all the way back in Habakkuk, we're told that righteous shall live by faith. It's not just a New Testament principle, that's in Habakkuk, which more of us would know if we ever read it. What we're being told here is that the law is not faith, works are not faith, talk is not faith, walking the aisle and making a quote-unquote profession and then nothing changing is not faith. Even faith in anything other than Christ does not justify. The only thing that will save and has ever saved is faith in Jesus Christ as Lord, which brings us to our final point here this morning, which discusses how we are justified by faith. The becoming of the believer. The becoming of the believer. Of the believer. Paul has just told us that we are all cursed under the law, and anyone who hopes in the law remains cursed. But what do verses 13 and 14 tell us? Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised Spirit through faith. This tells us how we are justified by faith. We're justified by Christ redeeming us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Again, the law condemns us all because we've fallen short. Again, the Ten Commandments are so easy for us to go through and show how we've fallen short. We're condemned under the law, so Christ becomes a curse for us, taking the full punishment of our sins and giving us His righteousness In other words, Christ becomes a curse so that we might become righteous. How are we made right with God? Not through works, 
But in Christ Jesus, we receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. There are a couple points of emphasis here in these verses that I think are important. First of all, again, we are redeemed. Christ paid the price to rescue us. The price was that he would become the curse for us. He takes, again, the punishment we deserve. All of our sins have now become his, and the Father pours out the punishment on him at the cross. The full measure of his wrath. Secondly, we see here that this is in Christ Jesus that the blessing comes. This is a powerful reminder that, again, it's not because of who we are or what we have done. It is because of the work of Christ. We're not justified by faith because we're so strong at believing in just anything. We're justified by faith because the object of our faith, Jesus Christ, can save us. It is in Christ Jesus that we are redeemed. Thirdly, here in in verse 14, we see that it says we might receive the promised spirit through faith. In our responsive reading, when we go to it, it says that this is how we receive the blessing of salvation. It's through faith. That receive, once again, reminds us that faith is how we receive it. Not how we earn it or how we deserve it but how we receive it, recognizing that once again, even the faith we have, we have by the grace and gift of God. This is the beauty of the gospel. That Christ took our sins and became our curse on the cross and we receive his righteousness and become a new creation in him. That we're made right by God, made right with God by faith. Galatians reminds us, though, that not only are we justified by faith, but that faith is to be a way of life for the believer. Listen to Paul's words in Galatians 2, 19 through 20. It says, For through the law I died to the law, so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We live by faith. But again, this is not blind faith. It's faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. How do I do that on a daily basis? As I'm walking through life, as I walk through difficulties, being reminded of the gospel of justification by faith should encourage us. Christ loved us and became a curse to redeem us. When we were hopelessly and helplessly lost, he was faithful. He still is. He provided for our greatest need, and so we know that he he will provide, according to his providence, all things that we need for his glory and our good. We walk by faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us for realizing again that our salvation is sure. Walking not in fear or in Uh, Again, some anxiety or stress, but trusting and knowing that we are securely saved by Christ. All of these things are examples, and we could go on and on and on about how we can live our life through faith. 
in the Son of God. But it's important that we remember again that he did love us and give himself for us. Which brings us to a very pointed conclusion. If you're a person here today and you have been bewitched by the world, you've bought into one of these things that, you know, if you can just believe hard enough, you'll get free stuff. Or that if I just do this ritual, that everything in my life is going to be okay, that somehow God will be happy with me and I can earn myself a way there. If someone's pulled the wool over your eyes and told you that you have to do this, 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 and this and go through these things, if it's anything other than repent and believe in Christ, it is, again, heresy. We are saved by grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone. And so if that's you, hear the word of the Lord today. If your hope is in yourself and your works, you're doomed. Don't listen to the world and believe in yourself. Instead, believe in Christ. Follow him as Lord of your life. Because we receive salvation through faith alone. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Father, we come before you today, and Lord, we come thanking you for your word, your watch care over us. Lord, that even as Paul was writing this to the Galatians, Lord, you knew that in today's world we would be facing some of the same kinds of problems. And Lord, today we do pray for those who are wrapped up in the false gospels of this world, those who have been bewitched, those who have the wool pulled over their eyes. Lord, we pray that by your great grace and power, you would open their eyes to the truth of the gospel. Lord, we pray that our hope would be in you. The Father, rather than works, we would look to your grace with faith. Father, help us as believers to live lives of faith, And Lord, we pray that you would call the lost. May your will be done for the glory of your great name. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Bellevue Baptist Gadsden Podcast. We would love for you to join us on campus for worship Sunday mornings at 1045. We look forward to seeing you. Have a great week.